Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. I am thrilled that you are here today. It's always a pleasure to know that you're out there listening. And so I am really excited about this show. I'm glad that you're here so you will get to hear it firsthand today as it's being recorded. So let's not hesitate further. Let's learn about our guest today. Lee Richardson has studied human behavior for over 30 years. Her initial focus was on organizational behavior, then shifted to human behavior in 2003 after her son had a traumatic brain injury. Now, Lee will share with us, there's another thing that also transitioned her during that life. But moving on, Lee is the founder of clinical director and clinical director of the Brain Performance Center, utilizing her MBA and MS degrees, counseling degrees and board certifications to offer state-of-the-art solutions for brain problems. She is currently taking her PhD in psychology. As a brain health expert, she regularly contributes to radio and television stations across the nation. Whether it is anxiety, ADHD, depression, insomnia, or brain injury, Lee understands her understanding of the brain and the different methodologies that can be used to organically change the brain is immense. She is unique in that she has the ability to connect with people, understand their situation, and win their trust. Lee is an author of Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On, an international speaker and a popular syndicated radio show host. Lee, oh my gosh, how do you have time to do all that? I'm, I'm, I'm in honor. I'm in honor. I'm bowing here. If you can see me, I'm bowing. <laughs> well, you know, I used to think I was busy, Joyce. Now I know I'm busy. <laughs> I know, but you must really love what you're doing because it shows. Yeah, I do. And, and you know, when you love what you do and you enjoy it, it, it does make it easier it really, you know, I love to learn. So I'm inspired. Some days I'm inspired at what I learn. And some days I'm frustrated to learn what I don't know. Uh, but, but in the end, you know, I, I think I see it really contributing to my personal goals. And you opened the show, you know, welcoming okay. ladies that want to go to the next step in their life and being there to inspire them. And really, that's what the PhD is doing for me. It's taking me to the next step in my life. So, I, I applaud everybody, whatever that next step is. I applaud you for taking it. Mm, Yeah. I, you know, I'm a much better student now in my midlife than I was when I was younger. It's, it's like, it's opened up. Have you always been a good student or was it just a, a discovery? Well, it's so interesting because I have to be honest, Joyce, this PhD program has been hard for me. And at first I was like, okay, I don't get it. 
I was working for Exxon, worked all day. They came and said, hey, we want you to get your MBA. I'm like, oh, you're going to pay for it? Okay. Got an MBA. Then I've changed careers, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But I was running this business and decided that I wanted to bring counseling in. I had been uh, had a coach certification and had been, you know, utilizing that. So I ran this business during the day and I went to grad school at night, brought the counseling into the business. No big deal. Mm -hmm. So but when I started the Ph.D. program, you know, at first I thought, well, is it because I'm older? And my answer to that is no, it's just harder. (laughs) It just gives me a great, a great opportunity to work my brain. Yeah, right. Well, I always like to share with my guests, with my listeners, how you decided to make that turn. I think those are so important because we all have those moments, those transitions in our road, and we take a left or the right. And so would you share with them how that impacted your decisions to, to expand? Absolutely. Well, to expand my personal horizons started a long time ago when I actually moved back from Connecticut and came back to Dallas and I was running my own human resource consulting firm mm-hmm. and enjoying it was a little overwhelmed because I thought none of my contracts would transfer with me and they all did but which is a nice surprise but you know by the time we moved back down here my boys are in the second grade and I had traveled I brought them down to Dallas to stay with my mom I had been on a conference came through Dallas picked them up we flew back into LaGuardia got to rent a car had such a good time driving back to Connecticut Mm -hmm. found a great radio station with singing just you know, a great memory. Mm-hmm. So we drive into Danbury and I tell the boys, the van's parked at the bagel shop. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get you a bagel and a juice. I'm going to put you in the van. Then I'm going to go across the street and turn the rent car in. All you have to do is eat your bagel and wait. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they used to go to the rent car place a lot because my husband traveled a lot mm-hmm. and they decided, oh my gosh, we got to show her the secret path that we can take to get to the rent-a-car place. So as they were crossing the street, one of them got hit by the car. I'll never forget looking back in my rearview mirror and seeing him row up on the hood of a car and land in the street. And then I'll never forget seeing the look on the other one's face. Mm. So honestly, we were blessed. We were very blessed. We went to the ER and then they said he never lost consciousness. And basically they said he's had a concussion. If you go home and this, you know, this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen, all good. So we went home and that didn't happen and that didn't happen. So we thought we were all good. Mm -hmm. Fifth grade rose around. He comes to me and he said, mom, you got to help me. I'm like, well, of course I'm going to help you. What's up? say no mom you got to help me with my brain and I said well okay what's going on with your brain (laughs) and he said it's not working anymore it it just won't work and I said wait a minute wait a minute so he walks me through it and and he had been online and he said you know I know what's wrong and I said well tell me he said well I have ADHD and I said well I don't know what that is 
Uh-huh. And and he really didn't know either. He just mm-hmm. said, I, I know I can't remember things and I can't focus. And you got to help me. I said, I got it. So I go up to the middle school and, and where he's going to school and I meet with the counselor and I explain this. And she's like, oh, pfft, your kid doesn't have ADHD. Your kid's never been a behavior problem. He's never failed anything. Your kid's lazy. And I said, well, okay. But my kid wants help. What can I do? We'll put him on Redlin. So, yeah, yeah. You you want me to get my kid speed, but then you tell me there's nothing wrong with him. Why would I do that? Right. And she's like, well, that's the only thing you can do. So Mm -hmm. that's a long answer to why did I start doing what I do? Um, And I saw improvement with him. I've been in ICU twice with brain injuries. The first time that they were about one year old and, and I fell down a flight of stairs, basement stairs in Connecticut. Oh, woke up in the hospital, had no idea where I was. My husband was sitting there looking at me and he said, do you know where you are? And I said, nope. Are you going to tell me? Um, and I really had completely lost consciousness. And they told me that you've had a pretty substantial concussion. As a result, you've lost your sense of smell. I'm like, okay, sense of smell. I mean, I have to be able to see. I have two little kids. I have to be able to hear. Sense of smell. Cool. I mean, I'm good. Um, And that really played out very differently. Did you know you have more emotional memory tied to your sense of smell than any other sense? And Mm, when you think about it, when you think back on Thanksgiving, I can't tell you who's that where. I can't tell you what they wore, but I can tell you what I smelt when I walked in that house. Oh, there is something about that and the cookies and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I thought, you know, I'm driving over here twice a week. I'm like, I wonder if this can help me. So I asked the neurologist and he's like, well, I don't know. And I said, well, let's try it. And it did. It got my sense of smell back. And that was a life-changing moment for me. That's when I decided, you know what? this is really cool stuff. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I'll never forget. I was, he was walking down the hall one day and I was in a treatment room. I'm, Dr. Walker, Dr. Walker, come on in. I got something to tell you. And he's like, okay. And he yeah. comes in and said, well, here's the deal. I've researched it all. I'm going to go up to UNT. I'm going to do my didactic training. Then I'm going to come back down here and I'm going to do an in- internship with you. Right. And he's kind of like, right. And then I'm going to get board certified. And I said, if you're lucky, I just might work for you. And he was like, okay. And that's exactly the way it rolled out. And I worked for him for five years before opening my own practice. All right. So the, what they, the treatment that you went through was biofeedback. Well, it was neurofeedback, but, but neurofeedback is biofeedback with brainwaves. So it's just another way of saying it. Okay. So I'm going to ask a very basic question here. What does that treatment look like? I mean, when I, if I come to your office as a, as a client, how do you, is it, do you put an apparatus on my head? What is, is it ear hearing? Um, How does it work? Well, the first thing that we have to do is understand what's going on in your brain. And so we'll map the brain two ways. First, we'll do a qualitative EEG. We'll put a cap on your head and that cap's got little built-in sensors and we'll record 20 minutes worth of data or more if we need it. 
But typically 10 minutes eyes open and 10 minutes eyes closed gives us the data that we need. From uh -huh. that, we'll get at least one good minute. And that's kind of like the gold standard. Uh-huh. Ah. And that lets us look at what's going on in the brain. Yeah. So that's how you get your information to work with. That's how yes, we start. That's how you start. Yes. Well, okay. So it was seeing the results that you had, the benefit of smell returning that gave you that um, positive drive to move forward. You knew there was something to this. Well, it inspired me and in seeing my kid, you know, when you see your kid and I told him when he first came to me, I said, look, cause I have twin boys, you know, and one I was is wondering if they were twins. They are. And one is, <laughs> one is very, very book smart. Uh -huh. And the other was very intuitive smart. And I said, you know, you don't have to make straight A's. You uh -huh. just need to be secure and happy. And he wasn't. And one mm -hmm. of the first changes I saw in him with the neurofeedback was he started to get his self-confidence back. And I'm like, that's that motivated me because to see your child lose their self-confidence and think about it, Joyce. I mean, all the education I've had, I've never had a, a course in self-confidence or self-esteem. Right. It comes from within. Yeah. And to see yeah. him get that back was just, it was a, a motivator. Mm. Did you see him lose that? after his accident or was he always a child that had less confidence no i saw him actually he was fine till he got to fifth grade really? and he's, his brain quit working okay and and then you know oh, yeah. then you they know, get lots of messages they do get lots of messages and yeah. you know and at first I, I, when i look back i'm like well you know fifth grade's a really hard year and he was like no mom don't try that with me <laughs> My brain's not working. I'm like, okay. Oh. Like a pretty smart kid. He is a smart <laughs> kid. And he, he, he was, he was smart enough to figure out what was wrong with himself. Yeah. And I give him a lot of credit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazed you're telling me this. So you decided, Maggie decided just how many, how many months or years ago did you decide to go into psychology to get the psychology degree? Cause you're, you're a busy lady. And then you decide, well, I really need this or what was this? Well, it's really been an evolution. I've thought about doing the PhD for a while, but okay. I don't want to write prescriptions. I don't, okay. I really don't want to just do assessments. So I kept asking myself, what would that PhD give me that I don't already have? Right. And because, you know, I, that MBA still resonates. It's back there somewhere. What's my return on the investment going to be? Mm -hmm. And my personal and my professional plans have really evolved. You know, I want to create more of a social change around mental health. Mental health is brain health. And Joyce, mm -hmm. did you know 60% of the people that suffer from mental health issues do not get treatment? Mm. And, and is that because of the stigmatism toward? Absolutely. Yeah. And get this. Do you know how long they suffer with mental health issues? Those that do do something before they do it. Do you think okay. oh, three to six, three to six months, a year, three to five years, yeah. 10 years, mm. a decade. 
that is a long time to be hurting. It, it really is. I have a friend who has a child that is, has several conditions. And I, so I kind of have gone through that. She's a very active member of NAMI, which is a support group for um, schizophrenic and all the other blends of uh, therapy. But I, I, she's talked about that with me. There really is this, I don't want to be labeled um, mentality that goes around it, particularly uh, if you're not, I, it, I guess it goes, it really goes through all society. I was starting to say maybe it was if you were raised in the country, but it's not, it's everywhere, isn't it? It is. And you know where a lot of that stigma comes from? It's mm. the self-blaming that we, we do it to ourselves, you know? Yeah. Because, and Joyce, that's why I wrote the book, Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On. First mm -hmm. thing I do for anyone that comes to the Brain Performance Center, I do a 30-minute complimentary consultation. Because if I'm going to tell you that I can help you, mm. I've got to believe it. And how do I know if I can help you until I talk to you? Right. And what I noticed in those consultations, and from the very beginning, I would say, you know, gee, Sounds like you've got some depression going on. And I'd see him look at the floor. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> or, or, you know, I'm like, gee, sounds like he has some anxiety. And I'd see those shoulders come up and earrings. Oh, no, no, not me. And you know, I'd be like, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Because right. everybody is going to not be okay at some point in their life. And I realized that, you know, people need to know that. And that's why I wrote that book is just to introduce, hey, right. you have depression, you have anxiety, you can't sleep, you think about the same thing over and over and over. All of that is right. what's going on in your brain. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, what is the most difficult, once you diagnose, are you... Uh, assume that you have the right diagnosis for someone what how difficult is it to convince them to encourage them are they do they go willingly just because they have an answer or is it more of a selling type of situation well you know it's it's actually Joyce once they get here it's easy oh really <laughs> yeah oh. it is so easy because the way that the, you know, the way that number one, the way that they're treated, mm -hmm. number two, the way that they're given the information, it validates. When I look at a brain map, I'll say, oh, you know, this looks like to me that this could be going on in your brain. Do you have any, this, this could be happening. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you have a little eight-year-old say, Miss Lee, give me that. And I'm like, give you the brain map? Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm looking at mine, I'm like, uh, and she's like, okay. And I was like, okay, buddy. I said, what are you going to do with that? I said, are you going to put that on the refrigerator? Oh, no, no. I have a special spot. I put everything that's really special. It's going in there. He said, but I'm not telling you where it is. I said, well, that's, that's okay. You don't have to tell me where it is. But I mean, when you see, and I see that same response from people of all ages, but, you know, I'll never forget the look on that face. Miss Lee, give me that. I'm like, Okay. It's my brain. Yeah. <laughs> However, it is. So are we making any progress in changing the stigma around 
brain 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 issues? Well, on some levels, we are. I mean, there's three levels of stigma. One comes from within, that mm-hmm. self blame. Mm-hmm. Two comes from society, and you, you know, and, and and that's a big issue. And the mm-hmm. third level comes more from a a workplace, the, the where we work. Um, and, and that's where I'm trying to create some social change because employers yeah. need to understand. I mean, Joyce, if you hurt your leg, what's the first thing you do? Go to the doctor. Absolutely. If you get up and you feel like you're just so overwhelmed that you just can't do it today, mm-hmm. you know, you don't think I need to go to the doctor you start having these nasty conversations with yourself. Okay, suck it up, buttercup. Let's go power through. You got to do this. And that dialogue has got to change. And the way that that dialogue can change, number one, is for them, for people to have the same type of insurance for their mental health as they do for their physical health. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have that type of insurance, but they don't know it. There's a lot of companies that have EAPs, but it's undercommunicated. And, you know, it's not, and when we hear that, well, I don't need that. I'll, I'll never need that. Right. One, one rule I have in life, never say never mm-hmm. because it'll bite you. But yeah. I think, you know, people need to understand that it's okay to not be okay. That, and, and if they go to their supervisor and they say, you know, I'm just having a really hard time in my family right now. I just need to have a mental health day. You know, just being able to say those words would be such a drastic shift. Mm-hmm. And, the, you right. know, that's my hope that it would. And I think we, the pandemic has taught us a couple of things. And one of one of the things I think we've all learned is that we've all been impacted in a way we've never been impacted by the stress. Oh, yeah really and I think isolation is big oh it's huge I I can't imagine the studies that are going to come out and show the psychological impact of the quarantine Mm -hmm. think about it being isolated you know you're taken away from your community I couldn't go to the gym I couldn't go to church Mm -hmm. they're just things that that are part of my community for my existence people couldn't go to the office they couldn't go to work. I mean, I was shut down for five weeks because of, of I needed to be. Right. But right. you lose all of that. Yeah. And I think that what you realize is how important taking care of yourself is. Mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing signs. I mean, just the simple thing that happened at the Academy Awards, the, you know, the unpleasant outbreak uh by this movie person actor um it, it, it just we've never seen things like that before i mean there's and they're all kind of like acts of violence they're kind of like where who are we angry at that, that we had to break out into physical or verbal uh abuse of other individuals it's it's just really the strangest time well, i would I, th- I agree with you, but I, you know, what happens is where there's four things that puts a brain into a dysregulated state. Yeah. One is genetics, uh-huh. one is physical head trauma, third is emotional trauma, 
And the fourth is stress. Well, for, for people in that movie industry, the emotional trauma, I mean, they're not filming people. And when they do film, people won't, won't go to the movies. And, right, and the true. stress of all of that, that yes. impacts the way the brain can work. And that also impacts that autonomic nervous system. You know, and that autonomic nervous system keeps you in balance between fight, flight, and freeze. Yes. And I think when I hear about what happened and I watched it, you know, that autonomic nervous system just went into that fight or flight stage and mm -hmm. just chose fight, you know, and you can fight with words. There's a lot of different ways you can fight. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I can't help but believe because of the coaching background that I've had in my own personal work that almost any one of us would grow up from our home environment as a young child. And you can think even in the best environment, there's always the smarter sister or the bigger brother or that more popular person in your family. So this starts really early in your life, this programming that you get. And um, so wouldn't it be, uh, am I overstating to say almost any of us would have some balancing that we need to do to the brain? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, everybody, and I say this every day in every consultations, mm -hmm. you know, everybody is going to have emotional trauma. I don't right. wish it on you, but you, if you're living life, mm -hmm. you're going to have it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody needs to rebalance. And my hope and my goal is, is that everybody recognizes they can, for starters. Oh, and yeah. not only can they, but they should. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to stay away from the shoulds. But, yeah. but in this case, <laughs> there are some I, I good think, ones. <laughs> I think there are. Thank you. There are some good shoulds. Yes. Well, I think it, as I have become more familiar with the brain, and we seem to be talking about the brain more than we used to. We just kind of ignored that muscle that's up there in our head, you know, and so it seems to be, you know, we think, you know, the brain's connected to your gut system and, and you've got all that conversation going on with our, our diet. And it's, it's, I like that we're starting to at least recognize the whole person. It's every part of us. And I don't know why the brain has come up last, but it has. It's like kind of seems that way to me. No, Not you're right. You. I mean, there's been more work done in the neuroscience world in the last 15 years than all the rest of the time. And, yeah. and, and you know, and I think it's just our, we've all been so focused on our physical health. Mm -hmm. Not even understanding. I mean, if the body and the brain aren't communicating on a cellular level, nothing's going to work. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly our food, so many people, I mean, the fast food places are, are booming. And I, because I have of late within the last six months to a year, really tried to start working on that part of my life. It's just, I keep looking at those lines, you know, it's right next to the grocery store. So I'm going to grocery store to get my wonderful salad mixes that are in a bag. I love those things. They're so convenient. 
But as I'm in there shopping, I go out and I just see this long line. That's how we live. Lunch is always fast food. It is. Yeah. Or leftovers, in my case. <laughs> but, you know, we, and you make such a good point because it, it is how we live. We live in this instantaneous moment. We've got to have immediate gratification. Yeah. And when you were talking earlier about, you know, all this programming starts early. It, when you have a smarter sister or, or the neighbor next door wins every single thing, it starts. Mm -hmm. And think about what social media is doing oh. to that programming. Because, you know, I did a radio interview yesterday about all these young adolescent girls are showing up in the emergency rooms having ticks and like Tourette's after watching so much TikTok. They're watching TikTok really? videos on Tourette's. And oh. it's, you know, I mean, so there's, I'm not saying social media is awful. I think a little bit of social media is fabulous. Right. But I think too much of it. And, you know, all you have to do is, whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, all you have to do is spend a fair amount of time looking at something and you're on their, you're on their roadmap. Yeah, I, I've become aware lately of the importance of the sleep for the brain. I, and with the stress that's come up, nobody I talk to sleeps through the night. And um, I'm primarily hanging out with 50, 60, 70 year old women. And they're all waking up to do whatever they need to do. And I think it is stress. I think part of it's stress. I think there's many reasons, but it impacts the brain. It really does. And it's, you know, it's so interesting because all day long, those neurons and dendrites, they're wiring and firing away. And yeah. when they're doing that, they're creating toxic waste. And oh. which is okay, because when you go to sleep at night, you have these little glial cells that come out and they clean up that mess. They're little scrubbing bubbles and they just clean it all up. Well, yeah. if you don't go to sleep, when are they coming out? And more and more research is linking insomnia with Alzheimer's disease. Oh. So, you know, we need to be aware of how important our sleep is. And I think we'll wake up and maybe we're overthinking something. You know, maybe we're... Or, or, Maybe 80% of us, and I got this from one of my favorite spots, Harvard Health, uh -huh. says 80% of us are either lost in the past or we're worried about the future. We That's just true. need to learn to stay present, to stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's also been a increase. How does the CPAP machine affect our brains? Because that's been huge. Everybody I know has got one of those things. Well, you know, that's a really good question. It, it, you know, it certainly changes the biology, what's going on in the brain on a neurobiological level. I don't know how it does. I know that it regulates your breathing, but, it, you know, it, to me, anytime you alter your chemistry and whether it's with a CPAP machine or an Ambien or... Sleepy time tea. I mean, there's all different ways to come at it. 
Right. But what we're trying to do is change what's going on so that we can go to sleep. And I think the best advice that, that anybody can do is if you wake up in the middle of the night and some mm -hmm. people like to go to prayer, yeah. some people, you know, people have different places they go. But what I suggest to people is when you wake up in the middle of the night, stop and focus on your breathing. Just oh. focus on mm -hmm. taking low, put your hand on your belly. Mm -hmm. And it, when you're taking a long, slow inhale, you should feel that you should feel something down around your belly button. You should feel that stomach go up because you're pushing air down in there. Yes. And then take an even longer, slower exhale, because when you change your breath rate, you change your heart rate. And if you can get your heart rate and your breath rate to dance together, mm -hmm. well, then you've created heart rate variability and that's a sign of wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Next time I wake up, I'll try that breathing technique for sure. Now I've heard other thing, other warnings, and yet I use something myself. I, there's an app that when I wake up, I can. It has all sorts of settings for meditation. It also tracks my sleep, my deep mm -hmm. sleep, and my. And I really, I I love to use it. But I've also heard it's not good to have the phone next to your bed. Is that true? Well, it's the blue light that the phone puts out. Oh, so okay. that's what's not good. So I think that if that app brings you peace and provides you some coping skills, use it. Just mm -hmm. turn the face down. Don't look at the blue light. Yeah, I wear goggles anyway because of my CPAP machine. I look like a warrior when I go to sleep. That's <laughs> okay as, you are, as long as you wake up and you won the battle. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but it's, it is, it's like a game. I wake up in the morning and it tells me if I snored or not. And it tells me when I was in deep sleep and awake and how many times I woke up. Because my pulmonary doctor is telling me, you got to use this thing. But they're making great strides with it. So you don't have to use the breathing machine. So I, haven't, I don't know about those yet. But they are changing the use of that. And that would be good. Because there, there are also issues with that machine. Well, technology, I mean, when I first, when I did neurofeedback back in 2004, it was, they put two sensors on your head. Now we do whole brain training. We train the networks and the hubs. We train the power. We train the coherence. We train the phase. I mean, so technology has come a long way. So don't give up on those machines. Okay. <laughs> but how do you, how does somebody work with you when they come in you identify their their issues i mean is it do they come in once a week or can they be treated from distance or well the, the thing about what we do here yeah. we do now we do cognitive behavioral therapy and that's psychotherapy and that can be done in a zoom meeting mm -hmm. but what we do with the, the biofeedback, the bioresonance therapy, creating the communication between the brain and the body, that's got to be done here. Mm -hmm. What we do working with the brain, whether it's creating neuroplasticity in the brain or 
you know, changing the power ratios or changing the way the brain shares information or the timing, that's got to be done here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always say when I talk to people now, here's the kicker. The kicker (laughs) is you got to show up on a regular basis. You got to go to Dallas. (laughs) You got to come to Dallas or, you know, but you need it for research supports for best results. You do it twice a week. Oh, okay. But, and is that after you, after you map the brain, then do you use a cap or a something over your head to to get the training or whatever? You do. No matter what we're doing, if we're doing a lens, which is focused on neuroplasticity, we're moving a sensor around, a very small sensor around your head. If we're doing neuromodulation, if we're sending the brain what we know it needs, We'll use some coils that send out pulsed electromagnetic frequencies or some sensors that that can do transcranial alternating current or direct current. Um, If we're doing neural feedback, we're training the networks in the hubs, you're putting that cap back on your head. So we are, you're always, we're we're using something to sense what's Mm -hmm. going on in the brain or to, to modulate what's going on in the brain. Right. Yeah. Now, are your, is your clinic unique for this or are they becoming more uh, prevalent all over the United States? I am really happy to say, I think that that the the field is growing. And I think what has brought some of that growth is that the medical profession has begun to open their heart to what we do. Um, And, you know, the medical profession, they're typically, they've been trained in pharmacology. Mm-hmm. Up until recent years, now we've got integrative medicine. You know, we've got functional medicine. We're looking at things differently, and I, you know, there there are people that do it. There's all kinds of ways that they do it, and I always just say there's all kinds of just gimmicks out there. You know, just be sure that what your whatever technology or whatever theory you apply has science behind it Mm -hmm. and be sure that anybody you're working with, even if it's, even if it's an MD, they need to be board certified in neurofeedback because to keep that board certification, just like to keep that counseling license, you got to get those hours of of training in and technology changes so fast. If you haven't been trained in the last five years, your history. Yeah. You're behind. Yep. That's true. Sort of like the computer. It just keeps changing. Yep. <laughs> for the good, they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a challenge for me, but uh, I'm going, okay. <laughs> well, you have provided us with so much good information today. It's just, um, and I could talk to you for another hour, but I guess we have to go. But um, I always like to ask two questions of my guests. So the first question, may I ask you questions? Of course. That's three questions now. But anyway, uh, what was the most important action that you took as you made your transition? The transition either from your son's um, accident or your own cases? Well, you know, I think that that action started for, you know, personal reasons. Mm 
-hmm. And then it kind of grew as I saw how it impacted a lot of other people in the world. And it's really evolved. And, you know, I think the action that I've taken in the last couple of years to go back and to get that PhD, because then I can be heard on a, on a different level. And my personal goal is to create social change around mental health it, to make it people say, yeah, goal. you know, I've been depressed. Yeah, I've been anxious, but I'm working on it. I'm trying some meditation. I'm trying, you know, so to me, that's really the, the greatest action I've taken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, there is a story there. I think that we are drawn to what we really love to do. And that's a sign. That's where we need to be. And I've tried to go the other route. And um, it's much harder <laughs> when you're not having a good time. So the second question is, what is your greatest success? Well, I think my greatest success, really, it's not one individual. I mean, a couple of a couple of people came to mind that, you know, after being in the hospital for two years and but it, but it's not it's not any one person It's the, the cumulative effect of knowing that someone that wakes up every morning with anxiety and they're losing their job because they can't go to work that can that can be changed. And knowing right. that somebody that is so depressed, that they're so fatigued, they socially isolate, they haven't seen their family in weeks, knowing how that hurts them and knowing that too mm -hmm. can be changed oh. and, and change without medication, without, you know, it's organic change. Mm -hmm. So to me, just seeing that success thousands of times the accumulation of that is my greatest success and did you share with me you'd had so many clients you'd seen it was a huge number oh no I, I you know all I know is I'm looking at some data for my dissertation yeah. and and it's there's thousands yes that's pretty impressive to know you've affected that many lives. Well, the Brain Performance Center has. I can't ah. say that. I can't say that <laughs> one just Lee. Well, I know, but there, you know, if Lee hadn't decided to do that and build that, then it wouldn't have happened. So I'm, I'm going to give you some credit, Lee. Well, and you know what? <laughs> I'm going to take it. Thank you. Good, good. <laughs> well. Um, thank you very much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Joyce. <laughs> yes. Um, now, listeners, I really want you to think about this. You've heard really good information. If you want more, you could call Lee's office. Oh, and we need to do all that. We need to give them <laughs> your call number, your social media, and all of that. To help them find you, Lee. I'm sorry, I missed some things here. Well, we're easy to find. We are the Brain Performance Center dot mm -hmm. com. Mm -hmm. We're on Facebook, Brain Performance Center. We're on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. We even have a YouTube channel. So if you want to learn more about the Brain Performance Center, go to YouTube. Oh, yeah. That would be great. And you also offer, you mentioned this earlier, but I want to 
um, mention it again, the free 30 minute consultation. And we do. And you can, no, you can't. Can you do that from the phone by calling? Absolutely. You yes. know, what you can pre pandemic, nobody wanted to, but now we, we've kind of changed the way we do business. Yes. You can do that. We can do that over zoom. We can do it over the phone. We've learned that we can operate differently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. I think using zoom has definitely cut down on those travel trips that could be handled through the computer world. So I agree with that, but for you listening out there, I really want you to maybe look for the book. If you already know that this is the direction that you feel you need to go, then that consultation is waiting for you to call 214-329-9017. And I'm sure you can go to her website, uh, www.psthebrainperformancecenter.com and get that number. So I always ask you to do something that during the week and tomorrow, remember to share this with your friend that is having brain issues or just complicated life. Share with her that there's hope, there's help, and it's very close. It's just pick up the phone or go to the computer and begin the process. Take action. You have, you have the ability to change somebody's life. And that life could be yours. So I really, really, really encourage you, as always, to take action. Help your friend or help yourself. The next thing is that I, I really look forward to you being here next week. Because it gives me great pleasure in knowing that you're listening. Have a great week. Thank you for being here today. Bye. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on 